Okay, last week we started a new series called Back to the Basics, okay? And chances are you've heard this phrase before, right? Now, anytime you're preparing for something or when you want to get better at a craft uh, or you really want to know what's important in business, right, or how to get ahead, someone will always say, well, let's get back to the fundamentals. Like, let's get back to the basics. Like, let's get back to those things that we really need to focus on. What are those things that should get all of our attention because that's going to help me grow. That's going to help me get to the next level. And so I always do something fun starting off. And last week I talked about Vince Lombardi and the, and the football and, you know, standing up in front of the team and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. And then he started just teaching um, from the playbook in page one. And this week I'll talk about tennis just a little bit because, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, I used to be pretty good, just saying, Okay. Just a little bit. In fact, um, uh, Shannon and I actually met on the tennis courts. And if I can be honest, you know, she saw my mad skills and she was like, that's going to be my man right there. All 125 pounds of me in high school was pretty impressive, just going to say. But when we were on the tennis team, man, uh, we were out there every day. Every day, we were just practicing the fundamentals, right? It was serving a basket of balls, taking backhand after backhand, rushing the net, putting the ball away, all those. There would be some, some weeks that we wouldn't even play a game. We were just out there practicing those basics because practice makes perfect, right? And that's the key. Because here's what you want to happen. You want that, you know how this is in sports. Like, you want that when you get in the game or when you get in the playoffs, when you get to that big moment, you want those things just to come naturally because that's what you've been practicing. You just want to know the basics so much that your body just responds to it. Like this is just what you do. And if I wanted to pick tennis up again, I haven't played in forever, but I'm sure I would have to go back and start with those fundamentals again. Like I'm sure that if I wanted to get better, I would have to start with the basics. So here, here's the deal. Here's where I'm going with this. Knowing and practicing the basics are so important and they're so important when it comes to the church. When it comes to living in the church. And the truth is, we have some fundamental values here at the Ridge. And what, what I'm doing is that over five weeks, I'm just kind of, every little bit of time, every couple of years, what I like to do is I just like to bring this back to our attention. And just go over it again. Make sure that we understand what we're all about. And chances are, you've probably heard some of these things before, and I hope you have. Because that means it's sticking. And I want it to stick. Like I want it to be something that we practice all the time. Because he, here's, what I, here's what I think. I firmly believe that if we're willing to commit to these principles that come from the great commandment and the great commission, we'll keep growing a great church. So, these five things come out of the great commandment and the great commission. In fact, um, I think I've got the five values up here. Um, do they come right... There they are. Whoop. Go back to that background. There we go. Here are the five values right here. Found people, find people. You can't do life alone. Growing people change. Worship is a lifestyle. And save people, serve people. Now here's the five values. These are the five basics of the church, okay? And where we get these from come from the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. And just in case you weren't here last week, let's read the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. Let's go through this together. Here's what Jesus says. When asked to summarize everything, like what's the most important thing? Jesus says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then when it comes to the Great Commission, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he grabs his disciples together. He has has one last time to teach them. And here's what he says. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. So out of these two very famous pieces of Scripture come these five value purpose statements and here they are again. And last week, last week, what we started on is we started on this teaching, you can't do life alone. And we talked about this as that moment where Jesus says to go and baptize others. And we said, you know what? This is a call that we're all supposed to belong. God wants us in his family. He wants us to know that we belong in the family of God, but, but, but. When we're baptized, we're also brought into the church community. We're also brought into the family of God. And we need people to understand that you weren't meant to go through this life alone. God loves you. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you in his family, and he wants you a part of a church family. And one of the things we talked about last week is that we have to choose to make that connection with the church family. And it's it's hard right now, y'all. To tell you the truth, when it comes to being a part of a church family and staying committed to the church family and staying connected to the church family, we've got so many different things right now that compete for our attention. We have so many different, can I just be honest? We have so many different excuses for not being a part, if I can get a little preachy for a moment, for not being connected to the church family. And I'm going to give you, at the end of this message, I want to give you a way to stay connected to the family. We're going to talk about serving. We're going to talk about being in a journey group. We're going to talk about membership 101. All those ways that you can choose to remain connected with the church family. But that was all last week, okay? Last week was all about you weren't meant to do life alone. Life is difficult when you're on your own and God didn't create you that way. He wants you to be involved. He wants you to be a part of a church family. He wants you to choose to stay connected to that church family. But that was last week. Today I want to talk about another important value here at the Ridge. This second value comes from the second part of the great commandment. When Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to summarize this statement as saved people serve people. Okay, this next, go to the next slide there, Wayne. Yeah, saved people serve people. We get this from the great commandment here. And it's easy to see the connection here, right? And here's the thought. The thought behind this is, is that if you give your life to Christ, you become a member of the family of God, you become a member of the church, right? The natural response from that is to have a desire to serve other people, right? This just makes sense. We're being changed into the image of Christ. And here's what I believe. I believe that people who prove their faith are, is real, like they really believe in Jesus, they're not the ones that just talk a good game. They're the ones that get out and they play a good game. Right? It's not just the churchy people that know the right stuff to say or they can quote scripture or they have, you know, all these great things and they know so much and all this. No, 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 no. I mean, not that that's not great. You should know your Bible. But I think what's just as important as your witness, is your witness is getting out there and serving people right? I mean, what good is it if you say all these things, but you're not living it out? If we're not being a good example? I'm not so sure that we can say that we're a committed follower of Christ and not be about serving other people. Because here's the deal, saved people serve people. That's what they do. 
And that's what we're called to do. In fact, going, going along with the example of Jesus, let's go back to the verse that we used last week, okay? Just before Jesus is arrested, he gives the disciples some last-minute teachings, and he says this in John 13. He says, you must love one another, okay? Not, not if you feel like it, not if they're really good friends to you, you know, not if they haven't done anything, but no, no, no. You have to love others. That's, that's your calling, okay? And here's the example. Just as I have loved you. And if you love other people well, then everybody's going to know you're my disciples, right? It's not about just saying you are. It's about showing that you are. It's about living that out. It's about serving other people. And when we love other people and we're serving them, then people will know that we're connected to Jesus and they'll know that we're connected to the family of God. It proves that we belong. But focus on that phrase. Jesus says this, you got to love others just as I have loved you. Jesus is like, learn from my example, how I love you. You need to love other people like that. And the disciples, the disciples are probably thinking about this and they're like, oh, we have so many good examples to draw on, right? Like Jesus talking to the woman at the well when nobody else would talk to her. She went at the hottest point of the day because of her background and because of how people gossiped about her. She didn't want to be around other people and Jesus went... And he found her and he talked to her and he witnessed to her when no one else would even give her the time of day. What a great example. Jesus invites Matthew to be a part of the team. Nobody wanted a tax collector to be a part of the disciples and yet Jesus invites him to be a part of the group, right? That's crazy. Peter's probably in the back going, oh, Jesus, can we vote on this? I'm like, I don't know that we really want Matthew in this group. And then Jesus, like one of the coolest stories is Jesus is teaching. And in that, that time, like children weren't supposed to be around a rabbi or a teacher or have anything to do with children. And yet Jesus says, what does he say? He says, let the children come to me. What a great example of love and acceptance. So there's so many good examples that they can think on. And yet the disciples ain't seen nothing yet. They have no clue what's about to happen. They don't know the full extent that Jesus was willing to go to to love them, to love us. Because this is in John 13. In a few more chapters, Jesus is going to give the ultimate example of love. And he's going to die on the cross. He's going to sacrifice himself. For you, for me, for those disciples. And that's the ultimate example. Just as Jesus has served and loved us, we are to serve and love others. We are to put their needs ahead of our own. To sacrifice our wants, our desires for them. So when it comes to this idea of serve people, serve, uh, save people, serve people, Let me give you a couple of points. What does it mean to really live this out? Number one is this. We got to know that we're starting with the basics. We're serving God. Okay, we got to serve God. What it means to live this value out is that we got to serve God. We were created, let's go back to the basics. We were created by God to serve him. Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned what we should do. We should spend these lives doing what? Helping others. Helping others. 
So again, going back to the basics, here's the deal. You know this. You were created by God. And here's the deal. When God created you, he has a plan for your life. He got so excited. He, he was creating and he's like, this is John. And I already know John's going to do this. And he's going to go there. And he's got this great plan for you. And he wants you to live in this plan. But he's going to give you the choice to do it. And here's what people, people get so wrapped up on wanting to know the will of God. And they're like, I just want to know God's plan for my life. I just want to know what God wants me to do next. And let me fill you in. In case you're struggling with that, like what does God want me to do next? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. It's very easy, actually. Here's what he wants for you. Whatever you do, he wants you to serve other people. That's his plan. Is to love him by helping other people. In fact, you're not going to be fulfilled in life until you're learning to serve God by helping other people. Because when we talk about serving God, that's what it's all about. It's how we serve God is by helping others. In fact, let let me take you to a time in Scripture where Jesus kind of lays this idea out. Serving God, serving others. And we're actually going to turn to Matthew chapter 25. And in this chapter in Matthew 25, we find three stories, okay? We, get, we got these three stories. You go back, you can read them this afternoon in your personal time. But in these three stories, there's this common theme that's kind of woven in between them. And, and here's that common theme. Be ready for Jesus' return. Get ready. Jesus is coming again. In fact, someone told me the other day, one of the ways that you can know that Jesus is coming back really, really soon is because Georgia just won the national cha- title. <laughs> In fact, somebody, you know, all the Georgia fans are like, I'm good, come get me now, Jesus. In fact, somebody texted me at uh, midnight, the night of the national championship, and they said, preacher, is this what heaven's like? <laughs> I love it. But there's this theme in all those stories. Go back and read it. He's coming again, okay? So we need to be ready for the day of Christ's return when he comes to bring us home. In this last story, though, it's kind of cool because Jesus puts it in such a way that he's like, how awesome would it be that when Jesus returns, he finds you serving? Like, how great would that be? So let's read this story together. It's so important for us to understand. He says this. He says, the Son of Man will come again in his great glory with all his angels. He's talking about the return, right? He's going to be king, and he's going to sit on that throne, All the nations of the world will be gathered before him. And he's going to do this. Here's what Jesus, he's going to separate them into two groups as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And the son of man, Jesus, he's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So this is describing the judgment that's coming, okay? And I don't want to sugarcoat this. Okay, he describes it as a shepherd uh, dividing the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and the sheep being those who are following him and the goats being those who don't. And this is why it's so important last week that we stop every now and then, even though you've heard it a hundred times, and make sure that you understand the basics of helping people know that they need to belong to the family of God. Right? We went through the ABCs last Sunday of how to not only accept Christ for yourself, but how to teach other people to do that, to admit that you need Jesus, to believe in his death and resurrection, and then commit your life to him. We need to be about this business of helping other people come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, because this day is coming. Jesus is coming again. 
And we want to make sure that we and the people that, that, that we know, that we have been in contact, that they are the, the sheep that are a part of the fold with the great shepherd. So Jesus tells us what happens next. He says, then the king will say to the people on his right, come, my father has given you his blessing. Receive the kingdom of God, has prepared for you since the world was made. And he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes and you gave me something to wear. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Jesus looks at his followers and he's like, you know what, when that day comes and I'm coming back again, I will know and I can tell in a sense that you're living for me because you fed me, because you visited me, because you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you gave me clothes. And you got to imagine the disciples are standing around. The people that are hearing this are standing around saying, uh, time out. Like when, when did that happen? Right? Jesus, I don't ever remember you being naked and needing clothes because that would be really awkward. Like, I think that I would remember that. I don't know that that ever happened. And Jesus, I remember you multiplying food and we all got to eat that day, but I don't ever remember cooking you food. Like, when, when did we do that? And when were you, can, can you go back, when were you in prison? Like, Peter's probably looking back going, did anybody do a background check on Jesus? Like, what is he talking about? We never visited you in prison. And so the cool thing about Jesus is that he knew what people were thinking. You didn't even have to ask him a question. Jesus would just, he was known for just answering questions. And so he knows he's confused them a little bit. So he keeps talking. And skip down to verse 40. He says, then the king will answer this. I tell you the truth. Anything you did for even the least of my people here, you did it for me. And so then all the lights go on, right? Do you ever have one of those moments where you're just like, oh, now I'm tracking? And the disciples are standing around, and they're like, so what you're saying is that when we do something kind for other people, it's a way of serving you. And Jesus is like, bingo, bingo, you got it. That's exactly what I'm saying. So the main point is whatever you do or don't do for other people, you do or don't do for God. Saved people serve people. So the first point that you got to understand is that we got to serve God. We were created to serve Him. We try to make this more difficult trying to understand that specific purpose. Listen, you can serve God today by serving someone else. And that leads me to point number two. So point number one is all about serving God. Point number two is that i got to serve others. Plain and simple, back to the basics, we got to serve other people. So let me fill you in on something. Every Christ follower is a minister. You are a minister. And sometimes, and I say this all the time, but sometimes we've got to be reminded of this. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them you're a minister. Tell them right now. Tell the person sitting next to you, say, you're a minister. You're a minister. Okay. All right. Now ask them if they have sins that need to be confessed. Okay. Go ahead. No. Okay. No, don't make it awkward. Don't do that. I'm just playing. If you want to do one of these things, I'll give you, okay, I'll give you permission. Anyway. You're a minister. I'm not saying you're a pastor, okay? I'm not going to ask you to come up here and preach for me, unless you want to. Um, but what it means is, is that you have a ministry. You're called to do something for God. You have a particular type of service. Ministry 
Here's the deal. We try to complicate this too, but if we get back to the basics with what ministry actually means, it's just taking whatever you do and doing it for God and doing it for other people. Doing what you know how to do as a way of serving other people. You know, I told him I was going to do this this morning, but I got to brag on uh, Gabe for just a minute. Gabe is down here. He is running sound for us this morning. Um, and if you don't know Gabe, everybody in the band knows Gabe. It's so important, of course, to make sure the sound works on Sunday mornings. And he knows all about sound. And he's so talented. He also, you also probably know Gabe because he sits on the drums. He plays the drums. And I'm always wondering, what else can Gabe do? I'm thinking we need to put a microphone on him and let him pull a Phil Collins. Maybe he can sing too. But he does what he knows how to do, and he serves, and he uses it as a ministry to serve God by serving others. Another band member that I think of is Grandin Eagle. Some of y'all know Grandin. He sits up here on the stage, and sometimes you'll see him on this side of the stage, and he's watching online. I've already seen him online this morning. You'll see him on this side of the stage playing bass. Then you'll see him on this side of the stage playing electric or acoustic. I'm waiting one day, I just want him to take a cowbell, too. Just go at it. But he does what he does. Like he, he, this is how he's gifted, and he uses his gifts to serve God and to serve others so that we have a chance to be in worship. And I'm focusing on music, but again, every one of us are gifted to serve. It's true. It, you may not think that you have been gifted from God, and if you think that, then you're entirely wrong because Scripture teaches us that each one of us, when we come into the family of God, back to that, you can't do life alone. When we're brought into the family of God, we are given a gift by the Spirit. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can pick out. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift, right? But we are gifted by the Spirit of God in ways to help each other. That's how it works. In fact, Peter lays this out in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts. This has happened. You have a gift. What good is it? It's to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. Each one of us, those of us that have given our lives to Christ, we are gifted. So Peter says, use it as a ministry. Whatever that is. Serve other people. And in a way, when you serve others, you serve God. So, a good question to ask is, are you using your gifts as a ministry? I mean, think about that. You are a minister. Are you living into that? And that leads me to point number three. We need to serve with the right attitude. When we have the chance to serve, we serve with the right attitude. I think it's... Good to be reminded that we need to serve in the right way. And the reason I bring this up is because sometimes when we talk about serving other people, we do it with the wrong attitude. Let me, let me start with the wrong attitude in serving. Number one, the wrong attitude is to serve for attention. Sometimes people only do nice things to receive attention for ourselves. Like those moments where we serve, and then as soon as we're done, we pull out our phone and we take a selfie. And post it. 
Do you know what? As much as we like to think that we're so advanced with selfies and social media and like bragging about what we're doing, this, that, or that, do you know that it was just the same way back in Jesus' time? It was the exact same. They didn't have social media, but do you know what they would do? These Pharisees and Sadducees, they would walk out of service and they would make, seriously, they would make a public announcement before they handed over money or they gave something to somebody else. They would actually announce it to other people. And you could imagine everybody looking around saying, what a jerk. And that's why Jesus says this in Matthew 6.1. He says, be careful. He says, when you do good things, don't do them in front of people to be seen. That's not what it's about. We're not supposed to look for attention. So don't draw attention to yourself for it. It just comes out of who we are. It's just part of our normal everyday life. Another big thing that people do that we got to be careful of is to serve for salvation. we we got to be careful to think that somehow our acts of service put us in a better position next to God. Some people actually think that it'll save you, that there are some things that you can do that will help in your salvation as a way to get credit with God. Sometimes we we tend to think that, you know, if I do enough, it'll, it'll balance some things out. Like yesterday, man, I really shouldn't have said this, or I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have had... So I, I probably need to be a greeter tomorrow at church and kind of work that out, like balance that out. But not only is that common today, but it was also so common back in Jesus' time that in Matthew 7, Jesus says, you know what? There are actually going to be people that come before Jesus. And on that day of judgment, when he's separating, there are people that are going to actually think that they're saved. And Jesus says, but they're not. And part of it might be that they had wrong thinking. That they thought that they could do enough to put themselves in a better position with Christ. You see, Scripture says... That we can't do enough to save ourselves. Jesus is the one who has saved us. All we have to do is accept the grace of God. And that attitude changes everything when we accept God's grace. Because then we serve, not because we're trying to earn a special place with God, but we serve because we have been given a special place by God. Through Jesus Christ. That's why we serve. So when we serve others, we don't serve to, 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 to grab attention. We don't serve actually thinking that it's going to place us in a better position with God. That's, that's not why we do it. But having the right attitude means this, that when we serve, we serve with passion. We give it what we have. When we have the opportunity to serve, man, we give our whole heart. We put our heart into it. Ephesians puts it this way, serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord. I love this verse. I use it all the time. When I have the opportunity to do something and it's a way of serving God, man, I want to be passionate about it. And the second thing is that I got to serve with joy. We got to whistle while we work, realizing that what we do is a way of serving God. Colossians puts it this way work hard and cheerfully, joyfully at all you do, just as though you are doing your work for the Lord. Whatever you're doing on a daily basis, it can be a ministry as long as you do it to help other people. And when you do it, Man, do it with passion. Do it with joy. You know, not every day is a zippity-doo-dah kind of day. I know that. But it doesn't mean that we have to mope around either. There should be some joy from realizing that wherever I am, whether it's a clerk, whether it's a server at a restaurant, whether it's in my cube, like wherever that is, like I, I can do what I do for God's glory. 
And that changes things. It gives me more passion. It gives me more joy. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to serve others with a joyful attitude. It's kind of like your kids. Like if your kids were playing and you know, you know, they were arguing and you pulled your kid aside and you're like, hey, listen, I want you to share your toys. Now, what do you want your kid to do? Do you want them to go back in and you know, to serve and the other child to play with them by throwing the toy and then folding their arms and saying, well, mom said I had to do this, right? No, when it comes to your kid, what do you want them to do? You want them to go and share and serve the other person and, and do it with a smile on their face because they want to. And that's what God wants for us, to serve with passion and joy. And let me also tell you this. The third thing is that we've got to serve with endurance. And here's what I mean by that. We've got to serve even when we don't feel like it. Sometimes we get up and we're ready for the day and we're like, bring it on. I am so excited about claiming this day for God. But other days we're just trying to get up and out of the bed. We just feel like we're trying to keep our head above water. We get up and it's 21 degrees outside. <laughs> This does not look like a good day. It's freezing out there. But here's what we got to remember. Saved people serve people even when we don't feel like it. And when it comes to this point, let me share a little secret. When you endure, and when you learn to serve anyway, what happens is that it tends to turn that frown upside down. And you actually receive a blessing when you serve others. You feel better. Now, now, again, we're not doing it with the wrong attitude. I'm not saying this is why you serve. I'm just saying that when I take the focus off me and I put the focus on other people, Christ is able to work in that situation. We are opening up our, we are pouring out ourselves and in a way we are allowing Christ to pour more of himself into us. And when we do that, we're more blessed. It brings more joy. Having a rough day? Having a tough time at work? Try serving other people. See if that doesn't bring more joy to your situation. Christ can work in a heart, in a life that is committed to serving others. So let me close by saying that, you know, a good training ground on how to serve and how to use your gifts is right here at the church. In fact, let me tell you a quick story of someone who served as a greeter in the church. Um, story goes that there were two teenage boys, and I love this. I think I've shared this a little while back. Um, they came to church late. They, they came in really late one Sunday, and by the time they showed up, there wasn't a seat in the house. It was completely full. So the two boys, they decided they weren't going to, they just were going to leave. They're trying again another time. But the greeter, the greeter wouldn't have it. He stood there, he was joyful, he was, cheer he was passionate about serving. And so he took those two young men, he found them, he had some people scoot over. You know how everybody likes to claim a pew in church sometimes? You know, you need to scoot over, invite these two in. They sat down, and one of those boys happened to be Billy Graham. And Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus that day. Now you've heard of Billy Graham, but do you know who the greeter was? Do you know who... The man was that found him a seat in the church. I don't either. I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't, I don't know. It's, I have no idea. <laughs> but here's the point. I gotcha. <laughs> here's the point. Anonymous doesn't mean unimportant. 
Because nothing you do for Christ or his church family is unimportant. So let me give you a few suggestions. You never know what God can do through your acts of service. And I want to take just a minute to tell you that there are great serving opportunities here at the Ridge. There are so many ways to use your gifts here. And some of you might have tried a few ways of serving in the kids area, serving out front. Maybe some of you were a greeter and you tried that for a little bit, but then you were like, oh, really, it's just not my personality to see people, you know, come in and out of the worship and have to say hey to everybody. That's just not who I am. So you gave up and you just, that's okay. That's okay. If you, if, if you didn't, or maybe it was pre-COVID you were doing this, post-COVID you're still trying to work yourself back in, but you're not sure, that's okay. We just figure that even though you've tried some areas, you know a little bit more about how you're gifted and how God can use you. So try something else. Try a way of serving. There's a serve button on the Ridge app. It's right on the front page. Can't miss it. You can go through and find an area to serve. Use your gifts here. But listen, even if you're not ready to serve at church, I want you to look for opportunities because God provides opportunities each and every day. It's part of the basics. Save people, serve people. And if you do that, you'll be blessed. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much that you have gifted all of us. And God, I just pray that we wouldn't waste what we've been given just on ourselves. God, that we wouldn't be selfish. But that we would look for ways to pour ourselves out like you did for us. To serve other people. Realizing, God, that when we take those opportunities to serve someone else, whoever it is, help someone around us. Even in the little things, God. That when we do that, we're serving you. So God, I pray that you would stretch every person in here and I pray that we would be reminded every day to get out of our comfort zones and to be a person that serves others. And God, I just pray for the Ridge, I pray for this church family that we would continue to grow and that we would continue to live into these values and make an impact on your kingdom. And God, I just pray that you would help each person in here understand just how important they are to the church family. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.